0: Listening to the "Don't Suffer Like Us" podcast,
1: hosted by Kimberly Fujitaki and Hello,
0: and welcome to the "Don't Suffer Like Us" podcast. Kimberly will be joining us shortly. We were talking earlier about how we cannot believe it's been over a year for us since we've seen each other in person, and uh, pandemic's been going on for a year. And we've been doing these special pandemic podcasts, which we thought were only going to be a few weeks, and now months and a year later, <laughs> we are still here doing it like this in separate locations. So, welcome, Kimberly. Hello. I was just uh, rambling about how we haven't seen each other in a year, and the podcast has yeah. been going on for these special episodes have <laughs> been going on. I um,
1: know. I don't even know what's like definitive marker of like when we don't have to put pandemic anymore. It seems like it's going on and on. And on. <laughs> it
0: does, but I, I guess
1: think... the first episode where you and I could like sit in the same room together would be that one, right?
0: Yeah, that would yeah. be it. That would be it. So one day, one day. But today we're going to be talking about specialized classes or workshops. Um, During this pandemic, I uh, have done the pose and prose, which is specialized workshops focusing on creating content as well as reducing tension in the body or creating, you know, written work. Um, Kimberly has done so many different specialized classes. What are some of the, the types of specialized classes you've done in the past, Kimberly?
1: I think because my yoga teaching is specialized in a way, like focusing on children and families a lot of time, I I teach a lot of specialized classes, you know, from parents and me or caregiver and me to toddler yoga, preschool yoga, different age groups, you know, those are specialized towards a certain demographic of people. Mm -hmm. Um, I also, you know, spend a lot of time I have with uh, prenatal postnatal yoga. Um, so you know there's just I think there's so many possibilities that it's it's really great to be able to have um, a, an understanding of like that there are specialized groups of people who can enjoy yoga together in a way that maybe you know a general class is a little bit different and uh, can be specialized towards a certain group of people that feel like they want to come together and enjoy class for various reasons.
0: So to you, a specialized class feels like it's more uh, niche oriented or would you put uh, workshops under specialized classes too, or do they feel like two different things to you?
1: I think for me, sometimes it feels like two different things um, because of the different specializations uh, and how, how I go about personally preparing for a specialized workshop is different than how I go about preparing for a specialized class
0: maybe. Gotcha. So for me, I, I would, under that definition, I would say most of my classes are specialized under the sense that I am thematic in my, my teaching. And also, um, for a long time, I taught, uh, curvy yoga or yoga for larger bodies and so that was a direct niche and that's that's something that you have to figure out when you're working with a population like how do you make the practice accessible and how do you communicate to to that population so that there's a response Mm -hmm. i've also done you know um uh, classes that specialize on creating like core strength Mm-hmm. Um, so that would, that would fall under, I would say specialized classes too. So like I've done, uh, what do you call it? Oh, series yeah. with mainly with my specialized, uh, classes over like a continued thing mm-hmm. other than like, I would say all my classes are specialized with, uh, <laughs> when we're talking about thematically, um. So I think that when you do decide that you want to do specialized classes that focus on a particular demographic you have to understand the demographic you have to understand where they are you have to understand the language which resonates with them as well
1: yeah there was a time in my you know teaching career where I I taught senior chair yoga and you know what was great about that was that I would go to the assisted living and be able to offer those classes in that space and so they were able to you know come downstairs from their rooms and practice some chair yoga with their community and that was really nice to be able to to bring that to that specific group of people you know in in their home and in community environment and I think that that's kind of a one of the good things about you know, having a specialized class for maybe a specialized group of people that you can go to other places that might not be the yoga studio and be able to share yoga there as well. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And part of that is what's going to be the focus of someone in a chair yoga class at a senior center is going to be different than a family focused uh, class. It's going to be different than a prenatal class. It's going to be different than um you know, yoga for for bigger bodies, or yoga for people with different uh, that need different consideration in order to make the practices accessible to them. And so, you have to understand the community that you want to serve before um, before you. Uh, that's what I would suggest before you go into a full on specialization. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, I've I've gone to body positive classes or classes centered on larger bodies where the teacher wasn't part of that demographic and didn't really understand the demographic Mm -hmm. because it was so outside their perspective, you know? Um, So that's, I would say that's something to pay attention to, know your demographic, know where they're coming from, know what their, their, um, their pain points are. You know, if for me, like working with people with larger bodies, Like there's this idea in yoga that it's, I mean, I've been to so many classes where it's like, this is going to flatten your tummy, you know, (laughs) or, or this like body shaming type language that can really discourage people from showing up. And when I was teaching, when I had my studio in LA, this was the focus. This was my demographic that I was focused in serving. And sometimes people would come with their toxic, um,
1: Negative, negative
0: self-talk, you know, um, and I would have to work the conversation around to be something that was neutral because I'm not going to tell you to love your body because, you know, what, sometimes that's complicated and you have this history with your body and I don't know it, but I can hold a space and encourage you to speak about it neutrally in this environment, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, um, it's setting a boundary and creating a space yeah. where people can explore their own body in their own terms you know and mm-hmm. I think that's important and a lot of people you know have a negative self-image of themselves and it can be really difficult you know to come out of that headspace sometimes but if you have a person that's offering you you know the openness to explore there's more likelihood that there's a potential to just observe what's going on.
0: Yeah. And like, you know, I have a thicker body, but ultimately like I don't necessarily know how other people feel within their body. Right. So all I can do is hold a space for people to have the sensations that they experience and honor where they're coming from with those healthy boundaries. So when you're looking at your demographic, begin to understand like where they're coming from by, you know, research by communicating, um, you know, wh- when body positivity just like blew up a bunch of people who didn't really understand it. And I feel like the same things happening right now with um, racism or people becoming aware of racism, um, you know, like, because it's something that's in the stream of, of consciousness right now. And like, there's a lot of dialogues regarding it, people are trying to reach these new demographics, but if you don't understand the demographic, if you're not part of the demographic, then you really need to step back, research, gain understanding, communicate with people within the community that you wanna serve so that you're not just coming in and um, either spiritually bypassing their lived experience or um, not speaking to the pain points that they experience on a daily basis or in life. How do you feel about that, Kimberly?
1: Yeah, it's about having compassion for people outside of, you know, even just experiencing things mm-hmm. ourselves. You know, I've never been pregnant. I don't plan yeah. to be. And, you know, part of it is just having the the compassion and the curiosity and the openness to hold the space for somebody who has, you know, and yeah, I think that it's really important to be open to changing your mind too. And to realizing like, maybe I don't know enough about this to really, you know, focus in on this at this point in time, or I want to change the demographic that I'm going to be teaching, you know, and I don't know what I'm going to change my, you know, demographic to after the pandemic, but I feel like there's just definitely a shift in, in what I see and feel like is, is, uh, gonna be important in my teaching and so you know you may invest in a lot of time you know I spent a lot of time with the seniors that I taught and that was like a beautiful moment in my teaching career but I don't teach those classes anymore you know so it just it depends on you know so many different things and you know and and your level your ability to be curious and to be open and to, to know that there's just always Going to be more information to learn and more information to grow, and, and that it's important for us to continue to be on that path to learning more and being open about our experience and, and where we want to be in this different demographics of teaching.
0: Once a long time ago, a teacher said, You know, I like when I get hurt because then I understand, um, you know, limitations because this person was just super, you know, uh, bendy. If you're a person that cannot empathize or have compassion or develop an understanding, because some people just, it's not within their wheelhouse so to speak to understand something unless they directly experience it. So if you know, you're one of those people that just doesn't understand something unless it directly impacts you, then if you're looking at creating a specialized classes, if I would recommend not serving a niche that you don't understand because you haven't had that experience. Not because I think that people can teach whatever, Mm -hmm. as long as they understand the function, the anatomy and the history. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of things that we can talk about, but and teach about. But if you're one of the the people that has a hard time understanding beyond your own lived experience, and that's not everybody, but there's a good deal of people. Then I would suggest making sure that your demographics are aligned with your personal experience.
1: Yeah. And that's going to be individual. You know, everything that we talk about all the time is individualized so much that sometimes it becomes hard because there's no, like, fat hard and fast rule that, like, you have to do this to be this. Like, it's not not like that. (laughs) No. (laughs) You know, And, and I think Thea and I also, we, like, try to destroy that norm or that idea of, like, it has to be this way, you know, because we've been experiencing that, you know, it's not. It's not that way um yeah yeah so as you start to specialize you can think of not only just your demographic but like different themes that you may be doing for specialized classes so for example you know i used to do a series of classes that was called toddler story sing and stretch and it was a toddler based yoga practice that involved story time, singing, stretching, and practicing yoga. So the breath movement and body awareness. And so that was a special themed group of classes that were specifically made for toddlers that would also have a theme of the week. So it could have been, uh, we could have been doing yoga for uh, dinosaurs. We could have been doing yoga for uh, transportation methods, alphabet, letters. You know, uh, I mean, uh, numbers, like all kinds of different things that allow us to bring yoga to life in a way that was helpful for toddlers to experience themselves and be in a group with others to experience it together. And so that was really mm-hmm. one of my favorite specialized classes I group in a series because it helped the community come together, too. So the same toddlers were coming together to practice each week. So they could learn you know, to be in group together, to learn to practice with one another, to bring, you know, their mats out and just be in that space with one another. And that's really special, you know, and I think that themes can be really helpful in creating a specialized class too.
0: Yeah, I agree. And with themes, I think there's something that can either be something that you focus on during the time of what's going on. Um, During 2016, there was a lot of conflict going on, you know, um, reasonably so, (laughs) Uh, but, or like just before the election, that election, people were feeling very strongly and, you know, so for example, the week of, uh, the election in 2016, right? I think I don't know. Anyway, when the former president became president, um, I have focused on Ishvari Pranadana, uh, the niyama. Because, you know, there's only you can show up, you can vote. But at the end of the day, it depends on what everyone else does. You know, you have to surrender to whatever is outside of your, um Control. Control. You know, um, if you've ever been walking down a set of stairs and fallen, you understand that gravity has more power than you, right? Like, um, so I use that that focus, and throughout my uh, experience teaching, I would theme things about what was going on globally or domestically, without putting in my political ideas. Um, Just, you know, as an and we're going to talk about this in a few weeks when we talk about Dharma talks. But just as a point of of awareness, you know, basing it off, themes are often best when you can identify something that's universal that people are experiencing. Um, so during that time, talking about that, even though I did have a preference, which way, you know, who became president Uh, I didn't talk about that preference instead I talked about like the work that we have to do in order to have the results we want, but sometimes we're not going to get those results, Mm -hmm. you know? And so when we're theme, when we're creating specialized classes with themes, we can either base it off of something that's going on uh, globally, community, community within our community uh, nationally, or it could be something that is universal in um in experience you know we've all had those feelings of not being good enough you know Mm -hmm. and you know a lot of times if we fall out of a pose we might not feel good enough and so like sometimes what I would do is if people fell out of a pose I would do like a, a month of themes, if there was a lot of conflict for people, you know, they were feeling conflicted about like whenever you get out, of whenever you fall out of a pose, do a shuffle ball change, right? And then you just come back into it. And just like finding the, the humor or finding the uh what it can be outside of what we expected, you know, to help us feel more grounded in our experience, because if we're thinking about how we're failing, then then we're spending too much time in the past and that's not gonna help us move forward. So like, you know, there's different ways that you can focus on creating themes that help your community because as you get to understand your demographic, you can speak directly to what they're experiencing and those themes that are going to be helpful. So like Kimberly does a lot about like emotional regulation Mm -hmm. um, with teaching kids.
1: Yeah. And it, you know, it. I think the themes always change too, because it's nice to be able to offer, you know, ideas that we're all working on. So some of the themes that we'll work on in in children's yoga are like kindness and what is compassion or empathy, and just the social emotional learning component of being able to you know, feel your feelings and feel what it's like to be disappointed if you fall out of a yoga pose or you can't do something that, you know, maybe your other classmates can. And we live in a society that's very competitive, too. So yoga is a space, especially for children. And I think for everybody, that should be where we don't have to, you know, constantly compete with mm-hmm. ourselves about yeah. how good we can be at yoga. Like, look, I'm good at yoga. And It's like, no, that's not the point. <laughs> But, you know, like, great, if you are good at yoga, wonderful, you know, if you're yeah. not good at yoga, we we'll continue to see, you know, like some days I'm, I feel like I'm great at yoga and other days I'm like, oh my God, this yoga, what is going on, you know, and it just, it changes all the time and our lives change all the time too. And so we have to kind of, you know, the things that we, we put into what it is that we're trying to practice is is uh, helpful in dealing with or integrating into our classes things that people could take off of their mat and into their lives. And I think yeah. that's when yoga is most beneficial. Is like if I can use my breathing techniques or my breathing practice that I've learned when I'm in a stressful situation, that's going to benefit me a lot in my life. And it has, you know? And so when we're creating themes, like these themes can... <clears throat> Can be little light bulbs for people, mm-hmm. you know, when they're walking around in their everyday life. They are like remember that little thing that you said about, you know, whatever theme that was going on. If it's forgiveness or body positivity or you know the ability to just like hold space for yourself when you're having a hard time. Like those are important things that we want to keep remembering, not just yeah. when we're practicing, but in other times. And so those themes can continue to live on in our students and our community. And Mm -hmm. it can be helpful.
0: Mm -hmm. And themes can be a one-of. It could be part of a series. Or it could be what your class is focused on. So, for example, I taught yoga at a studio in downtown LA. And I taught a meditation class. When the class was called meditation, (sighs) that's the sound of just tumbleweeds. (laughs) (laughs) But when I changed the title to Meditation for Modern Minds, because there's like attorneys in the building there's um record producers there's uh you know architects there were just so many different people that were working these like really high tech high high uh stress right. jobs mm-hmm. um that require a lot of brain power right? right so when i changed it to meditation for modern minds it became something people frequented you know right. so it was like as i saw people in that studio where they were coming from what their work was um I changed it to that and I changed, I taught three classes back to back. And oftentimes people would go from one all the way till the end, you know, um, and take all three classes with me because one was focused on, um, I think it was like yoga for office dwellers you know, -hmm. Mm -hmm. and like, you know, and then again, class. And so just because of the titles of the classes, because they thematically gave people an idea without people having to research what it meant. Right that people felt more comfortable and they came, you know?
1: People are looking for their people, you know? Yeah. Like they're looking for their community too. So it's like, it's nice to know, like, if there's a specialization of a certain type of class. One of the first classes that I ever had the privilege of teaching was a female balancing class. It was a women's only yoga class. And I didn't necessarily have a problem with, with, um, practicing with men or non-binary people or anybody else, but at the same time, some, some of that feeling of being able to be in a space where there were just women or women and non-binary women, it was, it was open to us just being together. And, and that was nice, you know, and my teacher ended up being able to offer me that class to be able to substitute for her. And I learned a lot from being in that space. I didn't know that that's what I wanted to do or that that was what I was going to do or that it would lead to me teaching prenatal yoga. But it ended up being something that was a great opportunity for me. So, you know, I think that when we specialize in our classes, that um, there can be a lot of different reasons to do that and can be, you know, really beneficial in the end.
0: Mm -hmm. And then another way that specialized classes can benefit your community is as fundraisers. Um,
1: fundraising is, is uh, you know, uh, we do a lot of that, you know, I, <laughs> uh, especially children um, because schools always need extra money, you know, and places always need uh, one of the, one of a really wonderful um, fundraiser that I was able to be a part of was a color run at the local elementary school that my niece was going to. And uh, I got to do the beginning stretch before the color run with the entire school. So it was really wonderful to be able to raise money for the school, start the, the run off with the yoga stretch so that everybody could practice together, take a few breaths and help them stretch before they had their fundraiser. So that was one of the really wonderful uh, experiences that I had in elementary school, raising money for that school.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we've done like things for different, um, we've done things for like prison, for prisoners, uh, for homeless youth, for uh, children in foster care, for children impacted by uh, natural, natural disasters, um, I did a meditation series for people impacted, a fundraiser for people impacted by um, a few of the hurricanes, you know, so there's a variety of places that we can show up and mm-hmm. use our platform as a fundraising technique, I mean, fundraiser, fundraising, whatever. Opportunity, <laughs> Opportunity yeah. for yeah. organizations or um, well,
1: even the, things that we feel strongly a, about. A really great, you know, like, clothing swap, right? Uh, Community Mm -hmm. building opportunity. And then the rest of the clothes you donated to the local shelter. You know, Mm -hmm. I did a family yoga workshop where we raised money to uh, help fire victims from a fire in Southern California and send the money, you know, to the local YMCA. And, you know, there's just a lot of opportunity for you to have a specialized class to help others. And I think that, you know, part of our practice is to be of service to other other, you know, communities and other people within our own community to help to raise awareness, you know, to raise donations. There's opportunities for us to continue to have these conversations of how we can be helpful to one another.
0: And that goes back to demographics, right? Because when you're doing fundraisers, the dem- your demographic, the people that you communicate with, the people that you practice with, the people that you teach and you lead they have to align with what you're uh, raising, raising funds for, or they have to understand it, you know, because like going back to thematics, like if people understand the themes, then they're more likely to show up, right? So, it, you know, all three things are <laughs> connected, demographics, yes, themes, fundraiser, because, you know, like attracts like.
1: Yes. And these are just opportunities, you know, you don't have to go out and specialize everything, but it's just, just things to think about as you're developing your classes, like your class title. If it's just flow one, two, you know, people might not know what they're going to do in that class. Yeah. Maybe you describe it a little bit more in detail about why or who is, you know, interested in being in this class. So specializing doesn't necessarily like, <clears throat> you know, pull people away from the class, it's, it's helping certain people get something to find they it. Need. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that, that, you know, a lot of people, even my mindset in the beginning was like, well, I just have to have an all levels class. I just want anybody and everybody, whoever wants to come, come, you know, but especially when you're a new teacher, too, that can be really challenging to have yeah. an all levels class where everybody is so different that you can't, you feel like you can't help or support everyone because there's so much variance in the class, you know. Mm-hmm. Itself. But obviously, the more that I learned, the more that I taught and realized, you know, everybody can benefit from being in this space together as well. But specializing does help certain groups of people benefit deeply from the information that you're offering them. Yeah,
0: exactly. So I think we've talked this through fully. Covered (laughs) it all. (laughs) Next week, we're going to go back to a three part series. Um, we're going to discuss Dharma talks and, uh, yeah, that's I'm not going to even describe what even
1: we're <laughs> it going to be a good one. It's going to be a lot it of it. So it you will just have to wait and tune in next week.
0: Yes. And the following week and the following week, week. <laughs> exactly. because we're going to go from, you know, the purpose to uh, why you would want to do it to, you know, uh, how to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. So join us
1: join us and thank you for listening as always you can always find our archives of the podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts and
0: thank you so much yeah thank you and uh have a good day yes bye. don't forget to join us next week for another episode of don't suffer like us Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Don't Suffer Like Us to join the conversation.